0: Hello, and welcome to Stories from India, a podcast where we talk about myths, legends and folktales from India. I am your host, Narad Muni, and am a mythological character myself. I have the gift of eternal life and knowledge of the past, the present and the future. By profession, I'm a travelling musician and a storyteller. So the way I'm doing my job is by podcast. In this episode, we are covering two stories from the Panchatantra. These stories have nothing much in common, other than they both feature jackals. But like all of the other Panchatantra stories, there are morals. The first story begins with a jackal. Let's call him Kapiti which is a Hindi word that means deceitful. Kapti was just strolling through the forest, whistling a tune, as was his usual practice. It's true, jackals cannot whistle. They can only howl, growl, and make some yipping noises. But this is a work of fiction. And we can assign some human attributes to animals including talking to all other animal species as the situation demands and being able to climb into barrels, much like a human would. Climbing into a barrel is exactly what Kapiti had to do. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. Kapiti's path took him closer to the edge of the forest. Not his fault. Every day... With deforestation, the village was fast expanding at the expense of the forest. But this was no time to think about ecological disasters, Kapiti thought to himself. Because just at that moment, he heard and smelled something that he feared above all else. Dogs. These were friends of the villagers. They seemed similar to Kapiti himself in shape, and yet they sided with the two-legged creatures. They reacted very loudly whenever they sensed him. Kapiti was particularly worried because today their barking sounded closer than ever, and their smell was stronger than ever. The jackal quickly took to his heels. And not a moment too soon, he heard the menacing sound of snapping jaws behind him. He picked up pace and scampered through the bushes. He was a little smaller than his larger cousins, which was an advantage. When he ran out of forest, he was able to slip through the fence into a villager's yard. The dogs, who were much larger had to go a long distance around the fence. By that time, Karpati decided it was time to change tactics. If he continued to run, he would be caught. But instead, he would rely on his wits instead of his legs. He would hide. Now, you might think that dogs that could smell him from a mile away through the dense forest would have no trouble in finding him in a tiny backyard. If you did, you are overlooking one thing. The yard was full of junk. Smelly junk. There were rusted old parts of bullock carts, some children's toys, some barrels, and a disused swimming pool. Kapiti went straight for the barrel because that's where the strongest odours were coming from. The dogs seemed to be rounding the corner, so without a further thought of what might be in the barrel, he hopped in. It was sticky and icky. The jackal held his breath and kept absolutely still. The dogs barked all around the yard. They were puzzled, They couldn't figure out where Kapiti had gone. They thought he had vanished into thin air. Probably. Or maybe he went back out of the fence. A wise old dog in the pack claimed that he had seen something like this happen before. It was definitely aliens, he said. A flying saucer came and light beamed up the jackal. It had happened to one of his own masters before, or so he claimed. The other dogs shrugged, and when one of them suggested they go back to their poker and beer, the response was unanimously enthusiastic. Kapiti was not a fool. He knew all too well that it was possible for the dogs to talk loudly about walking away and then hide. Waiting for him to emerge from his secret hiding spot. So he stayed in the barrel until he definitely heard the far off sound of dogs squabbling over poker chips. When the jackal decided that it was safe to emerge, he slowly crept out of the barrel. It was weird, and that sticky, icky feeling did not go away when he got out of the barrel. It would just take some time, he thought. Also, he just noticed this, his paws looked funny, but he couldn't quite place his finger on it. As he was walking back in the forest, he happened upon a wild boar and his family. ''Oh my God!'' the boar said. ''Why, what happened?'' Kapiti asked, surprised by the boar's reaction. ''God!'' said the boar again. Yes, go on, asked Kapiti. It really is you, God! And then the boar bowed before Kapiti. It was only then that the jackal caught on. For whatever reason, this must be a boar that was a little dim-witted, or just habitually sycophantic. Either way, the boar seemed to want to worship Kapiti. And Kapiti was cool with that. Truth be told, he had seen this boar before, but they hadn't really spoken. Just a polite hello at a mutual friend's birthday party. But right now, the boar was bringing fruits and garlands and a coconut to Kapiti. The jackal would have objected, But honestly, he was hungry. And those fruits looked delicious. The kind that would be picked for a divine offering. Divine offering, he thought again and stopped. Nah, it couldn't be. And he dismissed the thought. Just then, a family of rabbits showed up. Curious as to what the boar's family was doing. One look at Kapiti and they too fell down on their knees and started praying. The jackal realized now that yes, it wasn't the boar and the rabbits being silly. There was something different about him. It was blue paint. That's why his paws had felt different. There must have been blue paint in the barrel, and staying there for so long made it stick to his fur. No one had seen such an unusual colour on an animal before. No one remarked that he looked like a blue-coloured jackal. The blueness of his coat dazzled his devotees to the point that they didn't pay attention to the shape. And that was further reinforced when more and more animals appeared on the scene and brought more offerings. Some asked for his blessings. Some asked if it would rain. Others asked if he could make the humans disappear. Some just asked for his autograph. Kapati answered them all vaguely, which only served to reinforce the image the devotees had in their minds. For the next few days, things were beyond better. Kapati was living a life of luxury walking the red carpet everywhere, always accompanied by a security detail consisting of a lion, a rhino, a tiger and a bear. There were queues of animals waiting to see the jackal. The boar, who had been the first to recognize the jackal's holiness, also found a way to monetize the situation. He was charging special entry darshan tickets. For an extra price. With a complimentary laddu. That may remind you of modern temple darshans. Well, all good things come to an end. Amongst those wishing for a darshan were a family of jackals. They were doing normal jackal things. Which, as we have mentioned before, is howling, growling and yipping. That was music to Kapiti's ears. Being in the company of all these animals for so long and far away from his own kind was a bit tiring. All these other animals were great, but they weren't jackals. They laughed at his jokes, but because he was God, not because they found the jokes funny, as other jackals would surely have done. The fruits were great, but what Kapiti wanted to eat was rabbits. And yet, he couldn't because they were amongst his biggest devotees. So when Kapiti heard the growling, howling and yipping of the family of jackals in the queue, suddenly his heart warmed for all of jackal kind. He jumped up and expressed himself, just the way his fellow jackals had done by howling, growling, and yipping. That's when the scales fell from the eyes of all the other animals there. Everyone came to a more or less sudden realization that this creature before them was no god. This was a jackal, plain and simple. Well, not simple, because they couldn't explain why it was blue but there was circumstantial evidence. None of their prayers had actually been answered. All Kapiti had done since ruling over them was just to sit on a throne and eat and drink and cut ribbons at various ceremonies. Kapiti's security detail had a close-up view, so they could explain the blue fur. Given their proximity to Kapiti, They could see that the blue color didn't extend all the way to the root. It was as if it had been painted on a few weeks ago, and new hair had grown since, in the natural jackal fur color. Once they realized that Kapiti wasn't a god, nothing would stop them from getting their revenge. It hadn't mattered that the jackal had never himself claimed to be a god. What mattered is that they were deceived. Revenge was swift. Without going into too much detail, let's just say that the animals who came for a glimpse of Kapiti and a bite of Prashad instead did not get even a glimpse of Prashad but they each got a bite of Kapiti or what was left of him. Our second story begins on a similar note. A jackal strolling through a forest. This one was clever, so let's call him Chatur. Chatur stumbled on something. It's really hard for a four-legged animal to stumble. But just like Kapiti, Chatur was also whistling a tune and not paying attention to where he was stepping. That's when he stumbled on an elephant. It wasn't a live elephant. It was lying, dead. Chatur couldn't believe his luck. This would supply him with breakfast, lunch and dinner for the next month or two. But there was a problem. He couldn't just dig in. The elephant's skin was too tough for the jackal's teeth. There was no wound give Chatur an opening. But the manner of the elephant's death was nothing much for Chatur to worry about. The jackal presumed that this elephant had not passed away from a deadly virus. More likely, it had suffered a stroke. This was an extremely obese elephant And judging by the pack of extra, extra, extra large fries it was carrying in its trunk, it was also not a very healthy eater. But now, the problem remained. How was Chatur going to get through the tough elephant skin? He couldn't use a fork and knife because he had no opposable thumbs. He couldn't operate a circular saw for the same reason. He was still trying to figure out a next step here, when a lion came along. This was a ferocious lion, with very sharp teeth too. Very likely, the lion would prefer to kill the jackal, if there was the slightest provocation. Chatur quickly decided that the best course of action here was diplomacy. Welcome, your majesty, he spoke up. I have been guarding this elephant only for you. That caught the lion by surprise. He had expected Chatur to run and hide, leaving him the elephant. Or if the jackal were really foolish, he would try and fight the lion. But a polite welcome was the last thing he expected. It puzzled the lion. He was the king of the beasts and he had to act as such. Given the way the jackal had welcomed him, he now had to appear magnanimous and principled at the same time. I only eat what I kill. You can have the elephant yourself. With that, he walked away. What a pity! the lion thought to himself. In reality, He had no hesitation in eating the elephant, even though he hadn't killed it. He would even have loved to try those extra, extra, extra large fries it had been carrying. But he had an image to maintain as the king of the beasts. What a pity, thought the jackal. The lion had the sharpest teeth in the business. Even if he had eaten most of the elephant... There would have been enough for Chatur, probably. The jackal kept wondering about what should be done next. When a tiger happened on the scene, the tiger came drooling, looking at the body of the elephant. This adversary needed a different tactic, Chatur thought. Welcome, Lord Tiger, sir, he said cheerfully. Have you come to greet the lion? He's around. He's gone for a quick sip of water and left me to guard his prey. The lion took down this elephant all by himself? The tiger asked, surprised. What were lions coming to these days? He thought to himself. Next, they'd be jumping in the oceans and catching whales. Yeah, and elephants are a particular favorite of his majesty, the tiger killer, Chatur replied. Detecting the look of shock on the tiger's face, Chatur explained that his lion master, the king of the jungle, was named Tiger Killer on account of the time he had caught a tiger eating his antelope meal. The lion decided that he would eat his antelope even if it was encapsulated by a tiger. Also, could the tiger take a step backwards, please? He was breathing on the lion's meal. That was nearly as bad. The tiger waited no longer. Mumbling about a hastily remembered appointment, he scurried off. Another challenge for the elephant's body was now averted, but the problem remained. How could the jackal get to the elephant meat? In folk tales and stories, things come in threes. Naturally, a third big cat appeared on the scene. It was a leopard. The leopard approached the elephant, thinking the only competition it had was a puny jackal. But Chatur explained that no. He didn't bring down this elephant all by himself. He had help from the lion, who was off to get a sip of water. But Chatur could sense that the leopard was a good guy. So Chatur wouldn't mind letting the leopard have a bite. Hey, I scratch your back and you scratch mine someday, right? He said. But hastily he added stop as the leopard actually got his claws out to scratch Chatur's back. Chatur said that he would stand guard and look out for the lion, but the leopard could go ahead and dig in. Just as the leopard tore into the tough elephant skin and the jackal detected that the hole was large enough for him to work with, he gave the emergency signal. The lion's coming back, he whispered loudly, and that sent the leopards scampering. The jackal laughed at how clever he had been. Finally, he was about to dig in. But just then, surprise, a fourth animal stumbled on the scene. This one was a female jackal. Chathur was annoyed, not least because it had been predicted by myself just a couple of minutes ago that these things come in threes, not fours. Chatur had used lies, deception and wisdom to guard his elephant. And now, he would use his strength. The fight didn't last long. Maybe it was the agonizingly long wait to taste that elephant meat that motivated Chatur. But quickly, he had defeated this new jackal. Finally, he began happily eating his elephant, with the extra 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 large fries that made an excellent side. There was another happy ending for Chatur and his jackal intruder. Though they had met as competitors for the meal, they ended up as partners in life. And the amount of elephant meat they had at their disposal, covered food not just for themselves, but for their kids as well. That's all I have for this week. A few notes on the show. The Panchatantra was written by Vishnu Sharma in response to a contest. A king was having a hard time managing his sons. They just didn't have the inclination to read textbooks and turn in assignments and sit through long exams. So the king announced a contest. A bit of a learning hackathon, if you will. Vishnu Sharma, who was a scholar, took on the challenge of teaching the boys wisdom. And to do this, he thought of a revolutionary new idea. At least, it was revolutionary, 2 or 3,000 years ago. He told them stories instead of boring lectures. Vishnu Sharma deserves credit for taking creative writing to the next level. So the Panchatantra was a bit like The Fall Dummies or the Idiot's Guidebook series. Wisdom for Princes, a storybook for the rest of us. All of the stories in the Panchatantra are actually chains of stories. At the conclusion of each incident, one of the characters narrates a new story, a little bit like in the 1001 tales from the Arabian Nights, but without the nightly cliffhangers. Thanks to ancient and medieval tourism and trade, the Panchatantra tales are well known in other parts of the world. There are many other versions of these stories, known in other parts of the world. There's a Russian variation of the first story that features a fox instead of a jackal. That story ended with the jackal's deception being uncovered by rain. But he faced a similar ending, becoming part of the jungle feast. In keeping with the tradition on the show, I have named the characters after things they did. Kapiti means cunning, and Chatur means clever. In the next episode, we'll continue the Ramayana. We had previously accompanied Hanuman and other Vanars to the edge of land, trying to figure out how to get to Lanka. We'll see Hanuman figure out a way to cross. Thanks to some help from a friendly bear, who was also an honorary Warner. If you have comments or suggestions, or if there are particular stories you would like to hear, please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at SFIPodcast. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. A big thank you to each and every one of you for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. I'll see you next time.